What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode... I don't have my show notes. Hold on. This is episode 177. That's it. <laughs> got episode so, so just like like 20 seconds before we did this, and I said, "Are you? I'm ready to go. And you said, I'm also ready to go. Yeah, and I you was. Weren't. Oh, yeah. No, the show notes were just behind the thing, and oh, they weren't in oh. front of the thing. Now they're oh, in front okay. of the thing. Okay. Well, if do we I, need to just restart this, or are we just going <laughs> no, with we're the good. insanity? <laughs> we're just, restart it? No way. Come on. Do we do that? We'd never... We have done that in the past, but not today. This, <laughs> this is episode 177. We'll be talking about Stargate Atlantis's episode Hot Zone. Hot Zone. Hot it's zone. Like a hot pocket, but it's like, just a zone. Hot pockets. If you are a fan of what we got going on, we're an independent podcast. And if you like what we're doing, you can support us. Uh, we've got uh, buymeacoffee.com slash walking through where you can find our little thing, but there's a lot easier way. You can go to our website, wtts.space. Space and click on the little like coffee cup icon in the bottom right corner. Uh, when you do that, you can, if you wish, buy one or two or five or ten coffees. Uh, or if you really like what we've got going on, you can click on the memberships button to sign up for a monthly contribution. Uh, we have some wish list items, so there's a couple of things on there that uh, would help make the production of the podcast a little bit faster and a little bit better, and also a wish list for. Those of you who like to listen like to listen to us endure things, not necessarily a wish list for us, but uh, if you want, you can contribute to one of the one of the things there that will uh, once funded <clears throat> will trigger the watching of two more episodes of the non canonical animated series Stargate Infinity, and then of course subsequent uh, podcast episodes about that. But yep. uh, if that never funds, then uh, I'll be fine with that. So you know, you do now, you now, Brent. <laughs> yeah, we need to be. Hopeful and anticipatory, uh, uh-huh. and we need to invite our listeners to be excited about these prospects. Ah, hey! If you want to watch us su- listen to us suffer, you could you could contribute to one of the wish list items. <laughs> Is that better? Perfect. Okay, good. Oh, and hey, if you have friends in your life that need need absolutely need to listen to. Such high quality Stargate content as you are getting now, uh, you can tell them that they can find our show on Google Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio Podcasts. And are we on Amazon now too? Amazon Podcasts? We are on Amazon. I need to rewrite this little section here. Anyway, yeah. um, you can also find our little podcast on the website. Uh, it's a little player on the bottom left. And uh, oh, hey, thanks, Zach. Uh, and. <laughs> Zach is writing an Amazon podcast in our show notes as we speak. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, but and, you should do my personal uh, favorite. Heart radio. Yeah, that's it. Uh, get an aggregator. I use Overcast. Pocketcast is fine, too. There's others. There's many. Uh, then you just search for Walking Through the Stargate, and you will find us. You can even search for Stargate, and we're in, like, the top four. So, you know, just... Uh, just, uh, just, just, just go ahead and do that. To say, you should say to your friend. And then they will go, oh, my gosh, this is wonderful. So, Zach. Yes, Brent. If a person wants to let us know that uh, that we really should have redone that opener, um, that we were we were literally 15 seconds into the recording, how hard could it have been to just simply stop and redo it? And my editing would have been flawless because uh, there have been a couple of episodes back there where we've had big, long stretches where I've had to cut things out and I made it sound chef's kiss just perfect. How might they uh, reach out and let us know that uh, we probably should have just done that? Well, 
if you are one of those people that after listening to the beginning of this episode and hearing us absolutely flub, and by us, I mean Brent, absolutely <laughs> flub that beginning part, if that if you are one of the people that has had their day entirely ruined oh, for oh that, yeah, uh-huh. you need, because this is the internet, to get onto the emails <laughs> and rant like there's no tomorrow about how vile and horrible this process is. Oh, dear. You yes. can do that by emailing us at walking through the Stargate with three E's at the end at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a typo. <laughs> uh, if, if you have comments or thoughts or anything that you want to share with us, please just email us. It's yes. great. Yes. Or or you can, of course, go to the Facebook page and the Facebook group, Walking Through the Stargate. Uh, you can go to the website, WTTS.space. Space! And then you can uh, find the, the Buy Me a coffee, coffee link. And you can find a link there to the Discord. Yes, yes. That's where the link is. And on the Discord, you can find our channel. And then you can have all sorts of fun conversations so, Brent, one yeah. of our uh, listeners mm -hmm. uh, was able to go to FedCon in, was it in Germany? Yeah, uh, uh, I think it's recently. in Germany. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's going and, on like uh, right now. Exactly. And, and, and this listener of ours was able to uh, get pictures. Yes. And they're on the Discord. So yes. if you want to see pictures, uh, they're pretty cool pictures. Yes, they there are. There they are. So That's cool. Super I'm cool. glad you had fun. Uh, I assume you had fun, dear listener. Yes. At the, the FedCon. Yes. And uh, uh, so, Brent, I'll tease yeah. this a little bit. This is off the show notes. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we uh, had a chance to get together and we're in the same space at the same time. Yes, we, go. we were. Um, mm -hmm. And usually what that means is that we don't do a podcast. That's right. That's right. Sometimes um, we do a podcast and then we do the high five, the obligatory high five. That, that, that's true. That's true. Yes. Uh, but anyway, as we were talking there, we were thinking about what we could do potentially in the future. And we are considering, we are thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, and by thinking, in, these, are, these are serious thoughts. Yes. But a lot of things has to, do have to come together. But we are seriously thinking about uh, next summer, assuming there is a Stargate Con yep. in the Chicago area, yep. which there typically is, Yep. Uh, about gathering at the Stargate Con in uh, Chicago next summer that'd be 2024 that's right uh so that's just something to put on your radars yeah. if you're in the area uh we'll keep you informed and if we do end up going we'll definitely let you know oh yeah yeah, yeah. um but that's something that we are are thinking about and hoping about and gonna see if we can make that happen i i think that we said that we're going to declare the like go no go on that one like in december like yes we're, we're going to kind of put together the pieces of like okay like what do we got to do to make this thing happen so if you're interested in uh, uh, meeting us there, also similarly kind of do the same thing of kind of puts together some of the pieces or what, what will it take to be there, et cetera, et cetera, with uh, expecting us to say, OK, it's happening or not. And I mean, like, I think that we will do like one like we'll, we will uh, affirmatively declare it either way, as in it is happening or it is not happening. Yes, we'll let you know. Yeah, you don't have to sit here and wonder. I haven't heard anything. Is it going to happen? No, we will say it is happening or it is not happening. Yes. I better write it. Yep. I, be so, I better. I better put that in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that's a good idea. Good idea. Um, and uh, we like are a, coming up closer and closer to our two hundredth. Yes. Uh, ep our episode number two hundred. Apparently, we have had more than two hundred episodes total already. But uh, some of those were Patreon stuff that was added to the feed, and some of it was non-counted things. Yes. Um. 
Uh, but we have, uh, we're at 177, so we're coming up to 200. We're thinking about how we can make that fun and special. Uh, if you have great ideas on that, uh, yeah, please, let us know. please let us know. I'm finding, I'm finding my creative juices are a little bit depleted. And so I recommend rec- and, uh, ideas. And likewise, or- my creative juices are, are running on the low end of things at this point in time. Um, and so if you have some great ideas, uh, I'm happily, I will happily listen to them. And, uh, uh, if they, if they seem to work out, then we'll, we'll run with them. Yeah. Okay. Um, Brent. Yes. Are you ready to dig into hot zone? Hot zone. Hot zone. Yes, I am ready to dig into the hot zone. All right. So the director for hot zone is a name that you have heard several times, but not in a while. It is none other than Mr. Mario as a party. Oh, hey, yeah. Uh, he directed a couple of episodes already. He directed 38 Minutes and Suspicion uh-huh. in Atlantis this season. He directed uh, several early episodes of SG-1 yes, as he well. Did. He is one of those directors that all of the actors just remember because he is big. Yes. He's he's just, he's 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 right there. He's big. Bellicose. He doesn't do, you know, his just personality is huge. Yes. Um, so, uh, this is his third of four directing credits of Atlantis. Uh, and yes, I did do three with my fingers and then I went to four with my fingers. <laughs> like, like anybody can see this on an audio <laughs> podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, the teleplay for this is by Martin Garrow. This is his fourth of six writing credits this season. Yep. He wrote Childhood's End and The Storm and The Eye. Yep. Got it. We have several guest actors. Um, after some of the big things that they've done earlier in the season, they needed to have a kind of a bottle episode, so they kept everything on uh, Atlantis for this yep. episode. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the sets are freaking huge, yes. which gives them a lot of places to play. Uh, but that means that most of our names here are names we are very familiar with. So we've got Paul McGillian as Dr. Carson Beckett. Yep. Craig Veroni returns as Dr. Peter Grodin. Yep. We've got David Nickel as Dr. Radix Zelenka. Yep. We have Dean Marshall showing up again as Sergeant Bates. Yep. We have a newcomer to the podcast, not the podcast, the episode. I can't talk very well. <laughs> Damon Johnson <laughs> yeah. plays Peterson. Uh-huh. Uh, this is the scientist that apparently knows the ancient equipment as well as uh, Rodney. Yes, and, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is... Doesn't have a lot on his IMDb page. He's known for Chaos in 2005, Eight Below in 2006, and Stargate Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Uh, here or here. His first IMDb credit was in 1989 when he played Reichert in 21 Jump Street in the hey. episode High High. Hi, hi. Yes. Uh, and then we have Lindsay Collins, who plays Dr. Biro. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was born in Calgary, Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's known for Fringe, Atlantis, La Femme Nikita, and she was ma- is married to Barkley Hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that's a name that, that we have heard before, because Barkley Hope plays Colonel Lionel Pendergast. Hmm, yeah. He, he's a... The, I mean, the, I recognize the name. For, so he was one of the um, uh, Prometheus captains. Yeah, 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 gotcha. For that. Yep. Uh, we will see Dr. Biro again in a couple more episodes as the season uh, and series progresses. Yeah. Uh, her first IMDb credit came in 1997 when she played Melanie's assistant in the TV movie Melanie Darrow. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
And uh, just a couple other names. We've got Nahani Arntzen, who plays Dumai. Peter mm-hmm. Greer, who plays Hayes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hayes is the guy at the very beginning who is playing uh, Prime, not Prime, with the guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got Michelle Addison, who plays Johnson. She's the one that dies immediately, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Allison Graham, who is the mess hall fighter. Uh, uh-huh, with, yes. With Taylor. So, yes. Uh, so those are our, our, our guest actors for this episode. Yeah. Uh, the original air date for Atlantis episode Hot Zone was February 4, 2005, which is the same as uh, last week's episode of SG-1. Yes. Which was It's Good to be King. Yes. Which was, yeah. So all of those things are the same. What was happening? Blah, blah, blah. All uh, blah, blah, blah. Yep. All right. I have some trivia for this episode. Yes. Uh, this is the first time when we hear Lieutenant Ford's first name. Uh, his uh-huh. name is Aiden Ford, yes. and this is when it's first uh, named there. Apparently, Rainbow Son Franks uh, was able to choose that name, and it's one of Joe Flanagan's son's names. Uh-huh. Very nice. Yeah. Um, and then the prime, not prime game that McKay and Zelenka were playing, um was something that was at least similar to, perhaps it was a reference to, we don't know for sure. Uh, but there's a Canadian horror movie called Cube. Yeah. Uh, and David Hewlett was the main character in that, and they did a similar prime, not prime type of game. Uh, but that I was see. a matter of life and death. Yeah. Not, not quite um, so with this one. Not quite so with this one. Um, and also, finally, um, I find this interesting. This episode and the previous episode in Atlantis, The Defiant One, were the first episodes that were shot after the series aired. So they had the first half of the season episodes oh. in the can before it even went out into amongst the people. So they didn't really know exactly what was going on. Huh. These are the first episodes that were filmed uh, and recorded after uh, there was at least a modicum of feedback from, huh. from audiences. That's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this episode is Hot Zone in English. The Germans also call it Hot Zone. Mm-hmm. The Russians, Hot Zone. The French call it Virus. Mm-hmm. And the Hungarians call it Dangerous Zone. The Dangerous Zone. Yes. So, uh, Brent. Yes. This is one of those fun days where I was not able to get the synopsis written and yeah. done all of that stuff. Uh-huh. And I asked you then to, uh, if you could help me out. Yes, I, yes, that's right. And, and so... Uh, please help me out with it. Yes, I will. Now, I will. I will absolutely uh, confess that uh, you you sent me that message of of help uh, last night um, after I had retired for the evening, which was pretty early, but uh, it still happened that way. So I didn't see it until this morning. And uh, then uh, on top of that, uh, I, it was a nice uh, sunny morning, and I was enjoying a cup of tea and some conversation. And then I was like, "Oh man, I gotta I gotta write this synopsis." Then I had a brilliant idea, Zach. A brilliant idea. Well, you always have brilliant ideas. Oh, well, that's very kind, but this one was genuinely brilliant. I said ah. to myself, I should give ChatGPT a sample of a synopsis that you wrote, Zach, <laughs> and then okay. give it the pre-written synopsis from, you know, Stargate Wiki or whatever we happen to get it, and okay. say, rewrite this in the style of the example, so the one that you wrote, Zach. So this is what I'm about to read. Is entirely okay. generated by ChatGPT, rewriting what was written on Stargate or wherever we got it, Stargate Wiki or how, you know wherever it was, uh, Stargate Command. I don't remember. Who knows? It but it's fandom you know, it's, wiki. Fa- okay, Stargate fine. Fandom wiki. Yep. Uh, 
uh, in the style of 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 Zach. So you ready? I, I, I so way ready. This is, so so it's not okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. Could we maybe not touch things without gloves in the ancient labs, please? Well, Dr. Rodney McKay, Lieutenant Aiden Ford, and an entourage of scientists and Marines just did. I mean, they, they didn't, but we've got two folks hallucinating <laughs> and then dropping dead. Inconvenient, isn't it? Well, this prompted Dr. Elizabeth Weir to announce an indoor recess, or I mean, a medical quarantine in Atlantis. <laughs> Meanwhile, Major John Shepard and Taylor Amagan are sparring in Bontos, fighting, because why not? Weird chides Shepard for being restless. Perhaps she forgot they were in the middle of a potential endemic epidemic. Dr. Carson Beckett and his team of medics are scrambling, trying to figure out why their colleagues are dropping like flies. Oh, but the drama doesn't stop there. Dr. Peterson, one of the infected, escapes. Sprinting like Usain Bolt towards Stargate operations, he does a Houdini and vanishes into the tra- Atlantis <laughs> transporter, ending up in the mess hall. Shepard and Taylor, our brave duo, find themselves in hazmat suits. They don't find themselves. They put on. Anyway, the city, the city's chosen knights in synthetic armor. <laughs> oh, and it seems Peterson's escape caused the city's systems to have a bit of a hiccup. Locking down and disconnecting from the mainframe. Talk about a system error. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Autopsy results are in, and the victims have brain aneurysms above their visual cortex. That is not exactly the best news, but hey, at least it's a lead. McKay, the master of theories, speculates that there's more to this. Brain aneurysms and hallucinations don't go hand in hand. Ah, the plot thickens. And then, a breakthrough! This isn't a virus, but a gaggle of nanites! Yet, despite this grim news, McKay somehow doesn't drop dead. Phew, right? Perhaps these nanites aren't too fond of people with the ancient technology activation gene. The crew speculates that an electromagnetic pulse could neutralize these pesky nanites. So Shepard dons his superhero cape and heads to McKay's lab for an electromagnetic pulse generator. Meanwhile, Taylor is playing therapist in the mess hall, trying to keep everyone calm. But of course, it can't be that easy. The mess hall folks get rowdy and end up damaging Taylor's suit. According to McKay, the pulse was more of a flicker and did nothing to the nanites. Now, with Ford and Dr. Radek Zelenka on death's doorstep, Shepard has a brainwave. Let's detonate a Nequita generator above the city, because when in doubt, go for the Big Bang. <laughs> Bigger. So... After some back and forth with McKay to iron out the plan's kinks, Shepard goes for a joyride in a puddle jumper, releasing the overloaded Nakwita generator 20 miles above the city. The explosion is breathtaking. In the end, the plan works. The city lifts the luck down and everyone breathes a sigh of relief. Yet, the question of who created the virus remains. Wraith? Ancients? Weir, however, is more concerned with Shepard's insubordination and reminds him about who's boss. Given Shepard's stubborn nation nature, sorry, but given step there, but given Shepard's stubborn nature, one must wonder if we are looking at a sequel. And so they live to fight another day. The end. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so it got yeah, it got several things wrong for sure. Like it just botched the the rewrite a little bit in a, in a degree but i thought it did a, a you know like a b a, like you know if i'm giving it a grade it gave it a b decent no, job no, no. so so what 
I mean, like, if you were going to make a parody of how I yes. have written synopsis, yes. this would be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I heard some of my little quirks and yes. little, you know, uh, <laughs> like like all of them. Squeeze all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Brent. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That was delightful. Mm-hmm. So, Brent. Yeah. Hot zone. Hot zone. What did you think? I did. I still kind of don't know what to think about this one. Um, I'll I'll definitely start with the good stuff, which I think kind of gives it away about where I'm kind of more or less at. The good stuff is that there was a lot. There was a lot of information in this episode. There mm-hmm. was the there was a a, a I thought uh, okay when. When the moment of tension between Shepard and Weir first happened, when, you know, get me out of this uh, gym, like I got to go save people type of thing. Mm-hmm. And the immediate after effect, I, I thought that that was going to be a bigger component of the episode. And while the episode probably appropriately shifts into people being professional and just getting the job done, and we're going to talk about this later. I kind of thought that it might do the television thing of letting it be a bit of a of a uh, of a serious sticking point within the story, mm-hmm. uh, but it kind of didn't. But that's a big deal, and of course, it was again addressed at the tail end of the episode. And 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 like our good robot friend did say, based off of the the original synopsis, is this actually something that's going to be brewing up for later? And I'm kind of excited for that. I, like that that kind of tension is something that I'm interested in in seeing play out. I think that that yeah. would be interesting. Um, the nanites and who made them. That's a huge one. And of course, the way that it was ended, it's like, hopefully we don't run into them. And I could just feel I could just feel the show giving me a big wink. Wink. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we never see those guys. Wink. So, you know, I'm really interested. OK, well, who made it and why? Like, what's going on with that? Uh, boy, the Pegasus galaxy is just really hostile to to humans seems like um let's see uh the um let's see there was something else that seemed like it was kind of big information um can't think of it maybe i'll think about it as we're talking about it but those are definitely two really really big pieces of info there definitely was some more i just can't seem to recall it right now um and then we get into well we'll start with the acting acting was fine i didn't i i can't think of anything that that seemed like it was done poorly uh even the direction i thought was pretty all pretty all right um but uh the story yeah i guess this might be another one of those situations of i i'm not sure if it's a, an artifact of uh you only have 43 minutes to tell the story or what but, but even though things went way wrong they also went way right really conveniently um oh and also there was some kind of parts about the story which uh Specifically, the EMP aspect. Uh, I get it why they didn't want to put little explosive charges on all of their light up displays, but um, or no blinky light displays. Is that what they call them? Um, uh, you know what I'm talking about. The set, BL- the props, BLUs, BLUs, blinky light units. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, there was way too much. Uh, there was way too much electronic stuff. Like you know, the lights were still on. Everything, right? You know, when an EMP happens, it's 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 a very it's a very devastating thing for electronics um and minimally it has effects on electronic circuits so at least your light bulbs might be doing a little bit of wonky things um yeah 
I mean, maybe yeah. it's because the, uh, you know, the Atlantis system is sufficiently shielded. They had to protect all the Earth equipment, but the Atlantis equipment would be okay. But then how do you make sure well, that, they, that they did? They did make some sort of little quip about that. Yeah. Suggesting that um, here's my concern with that. And then I'll let you keep going. Yeah. Is that um, they are absolutely certain that this EMP is going to work on the nanites. Yeah, that's where I was about to go. Yep. But the nanites... Or, I mean, they may not be ancient technology, but it's not ancient Earth. E- e- adjacent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. very fortunate that it did work on them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this could be a different... Oh, yeah. I mean, another... It, this wasn't like a big piece of information, but boy, this was a... Uh, this was a costly um, episode in terms of red shirts. You know? Yeah. We lost a lot of red shirts today. Um, One, two, three, four, five... Six ish, yeah. six or seven, yeah, and um, and so you know, in that regard, I feel a little well, I don't know. I was about to say, I feel a little bit like uh, the original series Star Trek, where it's like every week we lose a couple of red shirts, and at some point you're like, How big is your crew? Uh, but at least in that regard, you, you theoretically are going back to uh, to Starbase and getting more <laughs> red shirts <laughs> here. You know, we we have a finite supply. It's a little bit more like uh, Battlestar Galactica, right? You know, like yeah. every person lost is a person lost. There are no more people. Um, and, uh, you know, until until the Prometheus arrives, maybe even next week, who knows? But you don't know, get that. Like, you know, right now it's a finite resource. They don't know that. And so this this seemed costly. And oh, and yeah, there was something that was happening all throughout. And I thought it was intriguing. I was very much not wanting to view this episode through the lens of COVID-19, but I couldn't help it. Yes. Um, and, you know, the self-imposed quarantine and all that jazz, and then, of course, the breaking of it, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like, there, there was plenty of, of things that, that, that were kind of ripe for a person to be like, you know, self-imposed quarantine, because we even did it last time when we were watching the promo. Like, oh, that's going to work, la, la, la. But then it got me thinking about how, um, how important it is that and I and I'm sure that it's kind of being done, but I'm not actually sure. I'm not sure to which degree. How important it is for um, people now, especially sociologists, to be examining what happened, the timeline, what decisions were being made, what information was known. Right there was there was all these corollaries. Like Weir was locking down the city, and their justification was we don't have any information right now. And that felt a very much like spring of 2020. Like we don't yeah. have a lot of information right now. And, um, you know, Shepard's response of like, fine, great. Well, then let me just get out there and start helping things at, you know, like had unintended consequences, la la la, which is, you know, part of where this episode went. Um, I hope that we have people who are examining the human systems that engaged with a worldwide pandemic. Uh, we were probably six months in to the pandemic when, uh, all of those stories from the, um, from the 1918 flu pandemic were coming out of, uh, you know, at least in the United States about similar, similar efforts were being, uh, tried, uh, through from, I can't remember like actual quarantining was happening, but definitely closing down public spaces was happening. Mm-hmm. Mask yeah. enforcement was happening. Uh, people bucking that, uh, that requirement was happening. People uh, hawking um, uh, m- quasi medical solutions was happening. Like I think baking soda was like the big thing that was like like the wave of of, of complete cure. 
that was happening, uh, you know, about nine to 12 months after the, after that pandemic started, uh, in the United States, uh, you know, again, something that was just, just quack, like, no, baking soda does not yeah. cure the flu, but it no. was, but people were listening and people were trying it and, and, you know, I feel better. And then, you know, spreading the flu. Um, I, and so this episode definitely was, was an artifact of another time where we thought that, uh, authority in these situations could hold sway asterisk this is an expedition these are people who knew what they were getting into as in if somebody gives an order you follow it this is not just everyday life and then you have individuals who break it but they don't break it because they feel like they're being uh curtailed they break it because they are uh scared of where they are and they want to go to someplace that is safer like it's not that they're breaking it because they disbelieve the authority. They break it because they um, do not think that this is the right place to be. They need to be someplace else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that lens, I think, is rosy. I think that we have learned that, you know, again, the, with the big asterisk that the Atlantis expedition is an expedition of people who are agreeing to take orders from somebody. Uh, that's not how these things go. We, we've learned that. Um, some societies are more comfortable with it than others. And those that are not comfortable with it, break it left, right, and center and stymie efforts of containment. And instead of being mad about that, why don't we, um, examine that and understand it and say the next time that we get a worldwide pandemic, because it's going to happen, uh, we ought to then therefore make decisions knowing what people will do. So I got a couple of. I just got a couple of thoughts here. Yeah. Um, one, um, I, I find it interesting that, you know, while some of the details are inaccurate, uh, a lot of movies and TV shows from 20, 30 years ago that talk about pandemics yeah. um, get it right in that we humans do a terrible job yes. of doing what staying is- Staying put. Staying put. Of staying yeah. put. You know, of- you know, when 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 fear and anxiety take over, we can't help but to do things that are often against our self-interest, even though we think they are. Yep. Yeah. Um. Shoot, there was another thing. What was the last thing that you just said that you were talking about? Instead um, of uh, it's, so examine this so that we know what to do, knowing what people will oh, choose. Yes. So here's the thing on that. I, I agree with you. I think that'd be lovely to see happen, and I think that the research needs to happen. I'm a little pessimistic about human society mm-hmm. because unless we experience another pandemic within the next 10 to 15 years, a sufficiently large number of us who suffered this pandemic will be gone. Oh, n- yeah, no, I'm not so talking about humans. Humans, yeah. uh, I mean, we are such an experiential creature that it doesn't matter what three generations did. And what we learned about how societies work then, because we're still going to be a, the same society that does things in similar fashions. Uh, the only time this is my pessimism coming out, mm-hmm. right? The only time this is going to change is is when um, is is if the same group of people experience the same type of thing, right? And I wasn't talking about living memory. I wasn't talking about. Um a society of critical thinkers making better choices. I'm talking about people who make decisions. It, 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 there was, a, you know, again, right about that six month mark when, when, um, you know, news articles were kind of talking about how 
you know, in 1918, a lot of the same stuff was happening. Uh, it was it was coming as a surprise. It was it was being written uh, saying like people who make decisions didn't you know like are making all the same mistakes that were being made a hundred years prior that they didn't seem to learn from that effect from that event. And here we are at the other at the other end of it. And I can and I can tell you why we're exhausted and we don't want to think about it. But that's not an excuse. Um, now is the time to uh, for. Uh, People who are responsible for creating response plans, governmental response plans, society-based response plans to a thing that has absolutely no idea what it's infecting or how it's infecting or when it will stop infecting or whatever. It's a virus. It doesn't care. Um, When presented with that reality and with presented with the reality that you can't tell people to stay home and mask up, a lot of people will, but enough won't. And uh, you can't um, bank on the the, trying to create the sympathetic route of, you know, you're doing this for your neighbor because a lot of people will consider their neighbor, but enough won't. And it's that enough won't thing that is the lesson to be learned. Deal. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, adjust. Enough will not do the best action for a society. Therefore, your plan must take that into account. You can't be, you can't sit there and go, oh, oh my, oh, it was going to work if everybody did it. Cause it never will go like that. You must expect that. So therefore what's your, what's your, what's your phase two. And it, and that's where it felt like it was like phase two felt like it was um, sloppy and, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, we, we, I, I was about to put us all in the same boat, but I'll just speak for myself. I was at the beginning wagging my finger and being like, if only people would do this and, you know, technically Strictly speaking, that was true, but at a meta level, it's like, yeah, and they didn't. And, <laughs> and therefore, <laughs> therefore, what's next? Like, you can't go back in time. Like, you can't, you can't, you can't hit, the, you can't, you can't exit the game and hit the reload and try it again. Like, you know, it, it, it occurred. I, I, I just, just popped in my head the, the idea of the, the game master uh, planning out exactly what's going to happen in the adventure. And then he sits down at the table with his players and the players decide that they're going to go left instead of right. Yeah. And they insist on continuing to go left instead of right. Yep. And the, the GM has got to figure out how to pivot. Yeah. And, and create something that is using what they are doing. Uh, Good GMs are able to kind of bake that into the process so that then they pivot. Uh, They, they understand what, what to do. And inevitably, um, even good GMs have planned a pivot. Uh, the the PCs are going to uh, pivot in a direction that they didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how are you going to uh, adapt on the fly? And and you know, really, truly, I get it. We're, we are we are kind of a long way off from Star Tre- uh, Star Trek huh, from Stargate right now. Um, I bet you a box of donuts that one. Senior health officials, at least in the United States and probably in a lot of places, were pivoting. They were pivoting hard, and they were doing their best. And and it was very tough to stay on top of it. And mm-hmm. two, I bet you that health officials back in 1918 did write up debriefs, did write up after actions. Um, it's just that those things weren't consumed by enough people in leadership. And that might be really sort of the, the, the real lesson and the, and the desire and the hope. Let folks do the learning of, you know, to try and do it a little bit better. And now, now I'm kind of back with you in your pessimism camp because now it depends on there being some kind of um, 
generational uh, aspect of memory on this one of like, you know, if you get into public office and they hand you an emergency contingency book, you read it. You don't like sit there and go, okay, thanks. No, you read it <laughs> because, yeah. because people have figured out, oh yeah, you, you, you think you're going to tell people just not to ride the subway? Ha! That's not happening. And then you think that you're going to shut it down? Well, then what is everybody going to do for jobs? Ha! And then all of a sudden you just start pumping money into the economy because you have to? Great. What happens when the jobs come back? Ha! You know, like it's all these things. And so part of the part of the issue here is that systems uh, don't and can't pivot fast Mm -hmm. compared to an individual. Yes. I mean, I walk into a room and I see 50 people wearing masks. Yeah. And I need to make a split decision uh, about whether I'm going to grab the mask that's in my pocket and put it on or not. Right. Whatever way I go, that's my decision that I can make that, you know, and I can make that pivot really relatively easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if I walk into a space and I see danger, uh, we have... Uh, known cases of COVID or whatever the pandemic is or whatever the problem is in this area, mm-hmm. you should turn around. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll turn around. If I'm driving down the road and I see bridge out sign, right. take this exit and not that exit, I'm like, okay, I can make those pivots. Um, but but a society yeah. Yeah. made up of hundreds of millions of people yeah. can't pivot fast. Right. So even if you have, you know, even 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 if you had ninety five percent of the people pivoting in the same direction, the system itself would still be a lumbering behemoth. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know brings us to a metaphor of of uh, barges on on the ocean and whatnot. You know, like if if you need to turn, you need to know well in advance and start that turning process. Uh, which, it, it, and, and if you don't, <laughs> you run into an iceberg. Yeah. It, and it makes me think maybe 2020 through 2023 was the best it could have been. That's well, kind know, of a sobering thought. Yeah. Well, one of the fortunate things, if there's fortunate, like, I, I, I don't want to minimize the threat of COVID-19. Right. At the same time, it was not as virulent and death deadly as it well and truly could have been. Oh yeah, uh, it could have been way worse. And and I suppose if it was way worse, uh, maybe that would have added some extra fear in people to change behaviors. Maybe I think it would have added more panic, and I don't know if it would have changed a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, it would probably would have been in that regard. It would be more damaging to our society than helpful. Right, uh, but. The fact that it wasn't as deadly as it really, truly could have been um, helps to mitigate the overall damage that that it did and and in a lot of ways. So I do think that early on in the pandemic, uh, at least in the United States, I can't speak to other countries, but at least in the United States, early on in the pandemic, we could have had a a clearer, uh, more focused uh, voice from the the uh, governmental systemic leaders, mm-hmm. and we didn't have as clear a voice and a clear of uh, direction. Uh, we were getting a, a scatter shot of things from a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that could have been cleaner. That could have been better. And that's something that your your response planning can affect. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, you know, uh, John Smith on the street and Sally Jones uh, down the corner, they're, they're, that response plan is going to mean squat to them. Right. Um, in, 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 a, in an intentional, cognitive, uh, explicit way. Uh, the implicits of that could potentially affect them, but not the explicits. So, bringing it back to Stargate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm glad, I'm, I am very glad that you and I had this discussion right now. I might put an extra bookmark in here so that people can bounce right over the top of it if they don't want to hear about it, because this really barely had anything to do with the episode. Mostly because I wasn't wanting to watch this episode within that framework. Um, right. And so, a lot of that processing in that framework just happened just now in this discussion. So I was intentionally not trying to watch it in that framework in this one. So bringing it back, I thought that the story was a little bit on the weak sauce side. Like things seemed to fix themselves a little bit too fast. Like the nanites being blown up with the EMP, right? Reverse, it, like it was, it, it worked. Um, uh, I understand why they didn't want to put up a whole bunch of sparks onto different things, but it kind of created confusion for me. Not like deep confusion, but it was like, oh, that's weird. Um, I thought that the 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 level of gravity that was put on the moment when um when Bates obeys Shepard and Shepard ignores Weir, I thought that there was so much weight put on that moment that it didn't mm-hmm. seem to really carry much else weight in the episode until the very very end. And even then, it was interrupted. Even then, it was starting to kind of take a little bit of light tilt to it, and then it was interrupted. Um. I thought that within this construct of the story, that was going to matter way more. Um, clearly, there's a seed getting planted there, but it was just a moment of like it. it the, the tone didn't quite match um, within those two spots. And maybe that's a function of reshoots. Like maybe maybe that literally is a, you know, this isn't quite working. We want this to have a little bit more of an of a, of, of, a, of a heaviness to it. Let's reshoot a couple of scenes with Weir with with uh, Higginson and um you know, then 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 we'll have it. But then it kind of doesn't fit because it it it's not quite present in the entirety of the episode. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of wishy washy on this one. There was a lot of things that I enjoyed, but the things that I enjoyed have a lot more to do with with hints at what's to come, not necessarily what was happening in this episode strictly. Um, you know, the 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 our, <laughs> our heroes uh donning their hazmat. See, I can't remember what chat G how Chat GPT phrased it. It was funny. Like, you know, they're knights, they're knights in synthetic armor. That's what it was. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm banging my mic all over the place. Knight, knights in synthetic armor. Um there was kind of parts about that that also felt a little bit flimsy, especially the scenes in the cafeteria. But, you know, like yeah. what are you gonna do? So that was generally my thoughts on that one. What about you? What'd you think? So um, yeah, my, my first, no, I got lots of different sporadic thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, one, um, I did really like the tension between Weir and Shepard. Yeah. Uh, and I was really, really disappointed at the end when, uh, uh, McKay and Zelenka come in and interrupt that conversation because, that was a conversation between those two people that needed to happen. Yes. And I wanted to know where they went with that. Yes. Because, I mean, these are two people that, that do, we've seen them. They respect each other. They trust each other. Yeah. 
But there's also this thing that that jammed a wedge between them, and we didn't get to see them quite work that out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, seeing Sergeant Bates um, obey Shepard and not Weir to her face, um, that was a very tense moment. Yes. Um, one of the things that was uh, interesting uh, when I was listening to the commentary, they were talking about the response to that has been very mixed. Some people are like, how could he have not gone with Weir? And right. other people are like, of course she went with Shepard. Right. Right. And, and that's actually a sign of, of good storytelling. Yes. Um, because you have a character who makes a call in a moment, and it's a tough moment. It's a challenging moment. And you have people watching it thinking like, no, he should have done this, or yes, definitely. And you see that tension. Um, that, 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 that was a good moment. I appreciated that. Uh, it was a very real moment uh, that was not masked with sarcasm and levity. Um, and uh, kudos on them for, for living in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'm, I'm bummed that we didn't... I, I guess it makes sense, right? You, you had three minutes left. You know, well, probably less than that. You had, you had a minute and a half left. And you needed to have them address it, but then you also didn't want to end it on a heavy note, and you needed to talk about who these potential, you know, uh, nanite creators could be. Um, and, and so you push all in, and you don't really get all of that. It, it makes sense, but I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the, the mess hall scene, um, A, can we just get rid of those red hazmat suits altogether? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean you see Zach they got special lights in their helmets we're not going to get rid of those things anytime soon hoods I guess Well, oh, so, so, so the, the issue at hand is, is not that they have hazmat suits mm-hmm. but the ones that they keep that, wearing them that, wrong <laughs> well the ones that, that, that Beckett and his team were wearing I understand that it was terribly uncomfortable for the actors and they don't like it and it's on you know yes I get it yeah I do but but those hazmat suits were like sealed. Yes. Or at least they looked like they were sealed. Right. Uh, which means that that person could definitely go into an environment and be fine. Yep. But if I put something on my head. Yeah. And then, you know, lay down the, the cloth flap around it. That's fine. It ain't going to protect you from viruses. Well, that and like, you know. Hair is out from underneath the hood and light is leaking out the front of it. Like it's not, it's not sealed Uh, at all. (laughs) It's like a sunshade. And, 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 you know, I'm, I am perfectly willing to, uh, just go with the flow and say, okay, sure. Yeah. At the same time, I want to acknowledge that they have the costumes available. Right. Uh, to that they could have done um one also interest you know interesting thing is that uh when it came to tearing taylor's suit um they had the darndest time they actually had to like get like a saw to come in there and like saw a hole a tear in that because that that stuff is like 17 layers of you know galvanized rubber and and you know it's like woven and and it, it's it's designed to not take tears. Yes. It's designed to not be punctured. Uh, it's designed to roll <laughs> over the ground in glass and still be fine. 
<laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, now, that's not to say that it is impossible to tear, but, you know, it, it, it is designed to yes. take a beating and keep on ticking. The story said that the suit had to be torn, and they didn't realize just how tough the suits were. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I did also appreciate with this, and part of it is because Martin Garrow wrote uh, The Storm and the Eye, and then he comes back and writes this, um, but we get to see our team navigating parts of Atlantis that were damaged in that storm. Yeah, yes. Um, you know, and and because... This is a giant city. This is like Manhattan-sized city. Yes. Um, and we've got, at most, a hundred people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially when you take the Athosians and you move them to the mainland. Yes. Yeah. And, and that would have, at most, added another thousand to the mix. Mm-hmm. We never saw more than seven or eight, but <laughs> we can assume that there, you know. There were many. Many hundreds. There were many. Um. So, but even if there were a thousand, it's still, a, a, you know, how many million people live in, in, in Manhattan? I have yeah. no idea. But in Manhattan itself, I think it's a few million. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, so to see them go through areas that haven't been explored, that were damaged and were sussing things out. Uh, I really like that. I appreciate that. That uh, uh, broadens the scope of. Of where these are and, and what's going on. And then, of course, Rodney's rant about, you know, if we're here for more than a year, you know, do this and this, this to, yeah. to yep. preserve your things. Um, you know, all of those types of things going on. Um, just highlighted again that we are in an environment where we have limited resources. And then they blew up one of their neck with a generator. I know. I know. Boy, they're really lucky that Prometheus is about to visit them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, they're 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 playing a little fast and loose right now, but um, I am very pleased. So I don't know how much of this is David Hewlett, how much of this is writers or what, but like you know, they are definitely taking a character and gently but but consistently moving this character away from that heinous individual that we saw in SG One. Like yeah, like like. Uh, you know the, the 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 general direction that this character is now pointing in is a much more noble direction than what than what was previously done, and of course it may you know la 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 it makes sense how it all happened from a television story creation point of view. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I am pleased to see this this transition. So he is he's indeed turning into a much more likable character, and it is done in a way that isn't a jarring snap. Right. I remember when we first met. McKay, you and I think I mentioned at that point in time that we'll see him again and yeah. again and again, and uh, that he'll become a beloved character. And you couldn't fathom. What that <laughs> <would be. laughs> well, because because <laughs> because that version of McKay that I saw is not the beloved character. Oh, sure, not a, not by a long shot. I, I I didn't say it was. I just yes. said that that it, yes. it will happen. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, good stuff. Um, yeah, he's 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 a great character. Um, uh, I also like Paul McGillian as Doctor Beckett. Yeah. Um, I, I I have to say that probably Beckett and Zelenka are two of my favorite Atlantis characters. Uh huh. Nice. So there you go. Yeah. Um. Uh. Let's see here. 
you know, the other odds and sod note that I had was the self-regulatory quarantine. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to go well. Nope. <laughs> nope. We just need you all to stay put voluntarily. Just for, for a few hours. Just yeah, 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 yeah. That one was, you know, bringing it back to COVID-19, like we were told two weeks. Um, and then another, what, then another six or something. And then, you know, they just kept going and going. But yeah, um, and that, that gets back to what I was saying about uh, the, a clear, singular, uh, systemic voice. And what we're talking about here is, is a governmental voice. Yes. But um, that, that was uh, adaptable, but, but consistent. Uh, would have been very, very helpful um, in the early parts of the pandemic, and that's something that we just simply didn't get. And that's yep. something that that uh, could be learned and um, addressed in the future, potentially. And the thing that I'm going to reflect on is that notion of of um, maybe it went as well as it could have, which is, again, I, that doesn't make me happy. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sitting here like, oh, yeah, it went as well as it could have. No, it's like, wow, no, yeah, well, but that might, that might have I been mean, the best. In a lot of ways, it was, you know, what is the best decision that we can make right now? Mm-hmm. It might not be a great decision, um, but it's, you know, like giving out all of those checks in the right. mail. Right. Right. Um, a lot of those went to dead people. Yeah. Uh, some people got more than they should have. Yep. Uh, PPP loans. Uh, yep. A lot of places got those that really shouldn't have. But the decision at the time was to make it very easy and get it out quick because you would do more damage if you didn't get that stuff out there and then added, you know, to try to protect yourself from giving bad stuff out, uh, giving stuff to bad people. Yeah. Um, you know, so was, was that the right call? I don't know. It was probably the best decision that they could make at the time. Right. Did it lead to some consequences that we had to deal with that, that weren't so pleasant and harder to deal with? Made, yeah, sure. But that's life. Yep. Um, yep. So may, may, maybe it was as good as we could do. Anyway, um, hot zone. I don't know if I have anything more to say. I also don't have anything else. I think that's so. Okay. Kind of covered it up. All right. So covered then it up. <laughs> <laughs> we, we shot it with a giant EMP. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah. How many chevrons will you give hot zone? Um... I am very intrigued with a lot of the information that we got. No, let me rephrase that. I am very intrigued with the important pieces of information that clearly indicate that there's more story to be said, but there was only a little bit of that, like like two or three pieces. Um, I thought that overall it was fine, but the story was a little mushy and just confusing enough or implausible, you know, like mildly implausible enough as to be a bit of a distraction. And um, I felt like some of the juicy parts didn't seem to actually get their due in this episode. So I'm not pleased overall, but I'm not like, I don't think it's trash either. I'm going to give it, um, I'm going to give it a three out of seven. Uh, It might've been a four if some of those uh, interesting points had been developed a little bit better might have been a four if that tension between weir and shepherd felt a little bit more solid through the second half of the episode um again from just a storytelling point of view uh you know if it were real life i completely understand how a person would uh put that behind them and be a professional 
and get it done and then bring it up exactly as we saw. But when it comes to storytelling, you kind of need that tension to stay there in a way that's a little bit more on the on the nose. Um, so, yeah, three, three out of seven for me. Um, that's yeah, that's, that's where I'll go. What about you? How many do you give it? Uh, yeah. So um, I'd agree with you. It's not trash. It's not brilliant. There are things I like. There are things I think that were cut short. Yeah. Um, uh, the the solution to the problem, uh, I'm glad it worked because there's enough evidence to suggest, and, and maybe it was the only thing that they could have done. Sure. But uh, um, there was not enough evidence to be convinced that it was definitely, absolutely, definitely going to work. Right. Um, so, you know, yay, it did work. That's great because we don't have that many red shirts left. Yep. Um, so um, I'm going to be a little bit nicer to it. Um, I'm going to give it a four and a half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The half Chevron might be because I haven't given many half Chevrons lately. <laughs> it just needs a half Chevron in there. And so you're just like, hey, let's just get it. Let's just make it a little spicy. Um, I don't know. It just four seems to be kind of middle of the road. Yeah. And I think it's just a little bit better than middle of the road. Sure. But not, not a lot better. Yeah. Like you get into the fives and now you're talking about something that, that has got some, something to stand on and, and you know, it's good. Yep. Um, but I don't think it quite gets into there. There's a lot of nuggets in here that are worthwhile. Um, yeah. Four and a half. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, we do have some, uh, comments and predictions good from our Facebooks. Yes. We have Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says, first off, let's get that defib on her. Uh, come on her heart. Uh, had come on. Her heart had barely stopped. Chest compressions. No. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't mind this one too much. Most of Atlantis is new to me. It's been, uh, that long ago. Anyway. Uh, I'd say four from Zach and five from Brent. Okay, got, you're got, almost got yours. Yeah. Almost got yours exactly right. Yes. All right. And then we have Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin says, hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. This is definitely one I remember watching before. I've always enjoyed it, and hmm. it sets up a possible story they could pick up later. Mm-hmm. While I was watching and eating some taquitos, I took a few notes. Mm-hmm. One. Having that many prime numbers memorized is impressive. Yes, that's true. Yep. Number two, did Ford just admit he was a bully in high school? Yeah, I think he kind of did. He sure did. Um, which does not make me like the character a whole lot more. Nope. <laughs> it did strike me. It seems like 2004, like I seem to recall a number of television shows that that were directed towards nerddom and had a character like that, but you weren't supposed to hate that character. It was something, there was something about it. Like I, it, like dollhouse had a character that was kind of like that too. And it was like, you know, that's like, you know, somehow you don't hate the character that much. Um, anyway, carry on. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Number three, uh, was that whole lab full of different viruses or were they only studying that one? Yeah. Right. Good point. There were an awful lot of glass containers. Yep. They really need to stay more alert in there. Claw. Number four, I really don't get how those hazmat suits are supposed to protect against an <laughs> airborne virus. They aren't airtight. Nope. <laughs> so, so the ones that Beckett and his team were wearing were, as far as I could tell. Um, or we're talking about the red like ones. They, but the red ones were yeah. not. 
Yeah. Number five. I believe this is the first time we've heard mention of Rodney having a sister. Yes. That's true. Yep. Uh, incidentally, um, uh, Martin Garrow originally wrote in the script uh, for him to say, I have a brother. Yeah. Because Martin Garrow has a brother. Yeah. Right? And that's where his mind goes. And uh, Rodney's like, can I, can I change that to sister? Because I have a sister. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> so, because... Uh, not uh, because uh, uh, David Hewlett has a sister. Right, right. So because David has a sis- sister, uh, it became sister. Yep. Uh, Aiden, number six. Aiden, this is the first time we've heard Ford's first name. Yep. Number seven. Wouldn't an EMP knock out the radios? Those yeah. Are, yes. Yeah, I was yes. thinking that too. That was another. That yep. was another one of those moments. I was thinking that. Yep. Number eight. Maybe Shepard should have left Taylor with a weapon to defend herself. Uh, but did she's. She, didn't she well, walk I'm, in with a gun? Mm, I don't know. She might have had her yeah. sticks. Yeah. Oh, right. Her sticks. <laughs> yeah. That seems a little weird. All right. So he says, uh, 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 this episode was enjoyable. A mindless, fun episode, as long as you don't think too deep about it. Mm-hmm. I predict fives all around. See you next week. Yeah, pretty close to you. Pretty close. I, I thought about it too much. You did. You did. <laughs> That's it. Okay. All right. What do we have on the... Uh, on the discords. On the discords, people had two weeks to put in their, <laughs> their predictions. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. We got uh, JD. Hi, JD. Hi, JD. I didn't remember this one existing at all, which is probably a bad sign. Since we recently came out of a pandemic situation where people were running about, there may be a discussion about that. I'll give it a two. So in normal fashion, six and a half for Zach and nine from Brent. <laughs> 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 no, I was oh. definitely more in alignment with you, JD. So, <laughs> uh, on the predictions channel, uh, Sean mentioned that his prediction is on Facebook. But here is Elon Musk from that last episode for the benefit of Brent. There he is. Yeah, I see it now. In in uh, in uh, it's good to be king. There's there's Elon oh, yes. yep. right there. Yep, yep. And then we got Jen. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. An episode about a highly infectious disease that leads to quarantine. Nice. I've had plenty of that in the last few years. Since I'm low on energy and time this week, I'll write my prediction in Kevin style note form. <laughs> One, at first, <laughs> I was pretty much indifferent regarding Ford, but I'm more and more on the verge of disliking him. His comment to Salinka about him being the type of person that used to beat up Salinka's type of person was the nail in his coffin. I see a bully. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Two. Yeah. How many more casualties can the expedition take? I mean, at least half of Atlantis seems to be uh, uh, that little excursion. Will this season end with our main crew and that's it? (laughs) Three. I'm just not going to say anything about that cliche. Look at their sexual tension with fake sweats. Fight scenes between Shepard and Taylor. Ah, damn. Set a thing. (laughs) Four. Four. Dr. Beckett could read me the whole encyclopedia and I'd still be delighted. That's the comment <laughs> I stand and I stand by it. <laughs> Five. I can't even begin to describe how much I hate Shepard overwriting Weir's order. It is this uh-huh. It is this common male urge to simply force his decision on a female superior when one disagrees with her with her first decision. Uh, I'm glad that Weir did hold her own and confronted him with this behavior. He needs to stop acting like an 80s action movie hero already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ratings wise. It was an episode that kept me interested and it was this in the same measure frustrating. Four and a half out of eight chevrons for me. 
By now, we should have heard what Brent and Zach thought about it, and I predict some discussions regarding Shepard. Watching this for the first time in 2023 just hits different than it would have in 2005. Brent is grumpy and gives it a three out of eight. Yeah, okay. Zach has some nostalgia for this episode, but can't go higher than a (laughs) 4.5. Jed, get it! Good job, Jen. Good job. Well done. She, I, I don't know if, if we can go so far as to say that you were actually grumpy. Um, but, but you got it right. Numbers, she definitely hit me. I was like, I could not go higher than a 4.5. That, that was, yep. that was my ceiling. That was, this. that was exactly yeah. it. That was awesome. Well done, Jen. Well done. Uh, well done. We've got, yeah. Okay. We got Kevin, uh, who is predicting, uh, that, uh, the episode will be watched this week and a parallel discussion between this and the pandemic of COVID will happen. Yep. And that Brent didn't realize that while squinting, he put in a cue in already. Yes. Yes. I know that was there. I put in a typo. That's because I was squinting and I wasn't really watching. You got, you got to go to discord to see what I'm talking about. So there you go. Okay. Then we got Jenny Dean Anderson. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. This week's episode spends too much time on the power struggle between Shepard and Weir for me. Oh, okay. But earns points for the chaotic outbreak scene in the mess hall. All right. Could you imagine if the 2020 pandemic had involved hallucinations as a symptom? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. I give Hot Zone three out of eight chevrons. Predicting fives all around since the guys always seem to vote higher than me. Eh, not today. Uh, although, I mean, I gave it a three, but anyway. P.S. I have no relation to RDA, just a fan. Yes, he does. I, uh, I had to create a Discord for this podcast if my not-so-jealous boyfriend suggested the username. <laughs> Excellent. So that's what we got nice. on uh, Discord. Fabulous. And we do have one email from David. Hi, David. Who begins with a quarantine chevron encoding, uh, who is like, which is like any other kind of bias buffer. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> did, uh, did the... Did the uh, key facts about the episode escape out of the quarantine <laughs> sure uh-huh. yeah all right so this is what he says he says this episode is not about a virus or nanites or nanite viruses yeah it's really about people who don't follow procedure and the conflict that it causes yeah knowing what i know about knowing things that's actually an important plot point and a thing that continues being important Good. That's not really a spoiler either, as it should be very obvious by now that it's a meta story they are trying to tell. Yes. Yes. Some dumb stuff. Mr. Super Smart, not McKay guy who knows all the stuff and runs off spreading contagion? Jerk. <laughs> yeah. He should have been filtered out in the psych profile before being sent off to another galaxy. Ooh, that's a good read. They did that, right? <laughs> yeah. <they should've. laughs> Oops. Yeah, aren't they running out of characters we've never been, we've never uh, seen before, and are only there to be killed off? Yeah. It's not like they can call Starfleet and order another well, but also, of red shirts. I mean, like related. I assume that the in the embarkation room at the first episode, it was like the whole group. Like maybe not. Yeah, maybe there was. So, maybe there was I mean, several there could hundred have been wings. Easily been people in the hallways, but you know, you only got one room, shot at it. Yeah. That 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 room had maybe fifty people in it. Right, and it looked packed. We lost seven today. In this episode <laughs> today, and this we is lost not the two first. last time. We lost uh, several in the opening episode. Uh huh. Yeah, we're just running thin. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, what happened to the nanite virus? Is there more of it? 
one NACWD enhanced EM pulse and we never have to worry about it again? Yeah. Yep. Brent. Yeah. We'll give it four chevrons for very, too very much close. dumb stuff, but still not dumb enough to ruin it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically. And uh, Zach will give it four and a half chevrons Ooh. for unanswered questions. Oh, man. David's super close. Very close. Very close. Uh, well, those are our predictions. Ah, and once thank again, you. I say thank you, everyone. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I love them. Yep, me too. All right. Brent. Yeah. Next week. Yeah. We are returning to the Milky Way galaxy. Yes. Probably. With an SG-1 episode entitled Full Alert. Uh-huh. And I ask you, what is Full Alert all about? Full Alert. Okay. All right. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travels through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. They are immediately met with trepidation and fear, as the inhabitants of this world have not seen the Stargate open in anyone's living memory at all. In fact, Ooh. their lore speaks not that does not speak of this thing happening at all. Given this extremely frightening event, the entire planet reacts as it normally should, as we should see in all of these episodes, which is a complete and irrational action of absolute terror and immediate action of locking everything down immediately, always, all the all the times. I'm just saying, like, if you, aliens popped out of a... Imagine if we had something in the Smithsonian Institute and suddenly aliens popped out of it. We would go completely nutso about that. But anyway... Bringing it back to SG-1. Okay. This society decides to embody that complete and utter terror through a, a particular kind of alert. You see, they don't have red alert. They don't have yellow alert. They have both of those alerts, which makes it an orange alert, which is for full alert. Oh, that's literally all I've got. Join us <laughs> next time where it's not red alert and it's not yellow alert, but they put the boat together and it's full alert. It's orange. Oh, dear. Big problems for our SG-1 team. Full alert. Well, okay. That was probably one of the weaker. Yeah, that was definitely one of the weaker. Anyway, yeah. Uh, is it uh, going to be, are we going to have like a Star Trek type thing where we're going to have a red alert and a yellow alert smushed together? Well, make an orange um, I will say that there will be a Star Trek alum in this episode. Ooh, okay. Shall we watch the promo? Yes, please. All right, here we go. I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. Hi, Jack. General Jack O'Neill arrives home to find an uninvited guest. Oh, you need to start trusting me, Jack. What? The fate of the planet depends on it. Uh, uh, uh -oh. The truth is, my motives are irrelevant. The trust has become an imminent threat to the sovereignty of this nation. Can the disgraced former vice president be trusted? Maybe he should cooperate. This could be our chance to get somebody on the inside. Or is the danger far greater than anyone can imagine? This is why we need you. International tensions rise as the situation gets out of control. Any idea how we can keep this from going to total forces? Can anyone be trusted hmm. when the world goes on full alert? It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. Oh no! Oh no! Oh yes. 
Interesting. All right. So, so, I mean, the the Stargate, the Star Trek alum is one we've already seen several times, but he's still a Star Trek alum. Yes, it's true. Yep. So we get to see Kinsey again. Yeah. After his uh, defrocking from his vice presidency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, uh, yes. Well, well, I am interested. I, I am intrigued. Yeah. Um, dear listeners, we will try to get a podcast out next week. Yep. Um, but, but it might not happen <laughs> because once again, I think Brent is going to come and be in my physical space again. Yep. That's right. And and what that often means is <laughs> we don't have time to do a podcast. Nope. Not anymore. Um, not anymore. There, 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 there used to be a time when that could happen. Yeah, when we were younger we and had more that. energy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but next time that we're together, we're going to be watching that, that episode. We're going to be talking about that. Yep, absolutely. So um, tell us what you think. If we screwed something up, if we talked too much about uh, COVID and yeah. not enough about Stargate, <laughs> you can yell at us about that. Yep. Um, that that's fine. Um, if you, if we totally missed something and I don't know, whatever it is, if you've got, if you've got ideas on how we can celebrate 200, there we go. That's, that's actually, yes. Yes, please. That's actually very useful. Um, I would very much appreciate that. Um, even outside the box thinking, uh, would be great on that. Uh, let's get those creative juices as a community together and figure out how we can celebrate, uh, this milestone. Cause yeah. 200 is a big milestone. Yeah, that's right. And that's coming up. Uh, and we got to get our plans together now because that's going to. Uh, that's the nature of how this goes. That's the, that's the nature of how this goes. Yeah. So uh, with that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs> <laughs>